Welcome to 2-Bit Encryption, the officially unofficial podcast for Mr. Robot on USA. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And we're talking about Season 4, Episode 8, titled 408, Request Timeout. Uh, yet another HTTP status code. Uh, any any ideas what Request Timeout might signify here in this episode? I mean, I think, so there's the actual technical reason which is the server is tired of waiting on your client ass to get back to it to tell you tell it what you want to fin what you want it to serve up and it's closed yeah. the connection mm-hmm. um so it's not it's, it's it's worded weird like request timeout it's it's like uh it, you know if, if, if a door if, if you go if you're a vacuum cleaner salesman and you go up to someone's door and they slam the door in the face you could say that they had requested a timeout but they actually shut the door in your face uh-huh. uh but i also think this is uh, at a meta level, talking about what Elliot is doing at the end, where he's like, "I just don't know if I can go mm-hmm. go through with this. I I'm not in the mental headspace to do this like crazy high level hacking, and I'm just finding myself cascading through all these memories. And I need I need a I need a breather. Um, I think. Yeah, that sounds about right. Because it doesn't uh, seem like it fits any of the Darlene or Dom stuff. And I mean, Janice gets a request timeout when she calls her. <laughs> people and they're not answering she gets a a response not found uh what what did you think of the episode just in general uh i really liked it Mm -hmm. yeah that's general is that general enough for you yeah it's pretty general uh there's there's a lot there's the scene that i like the most is probably the least consequential scene it's actually the one where dom's family is taken Like that is such a well crafted. It's like a no, yeah. a nothing throwaway scene, but it's so well crafted. Like I look at and with the most wonderful time of the year in the background, I, I had that like stuck in my head this perversity. entire week. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's it, I love that scene, and we'll talk about it when we get there. But uh-huh. yeah, that, that scene is great. And I did too because it, it also the first time I watched it, I it was like, oh god, oh god, oh god. The second time I watched it, it played almost as comedy. Yo, because so I knew comedy, no yeah. one was going to get hurt. But the uh-huh. first time, I'm like, oh Jesus, are they going to? This show might blow this nine year old dick yeah. splitter's <laughs> head off, man. <laughs> it might do it. I might see Uncle yeah. Joe get gutted here. Uh, and it's kind of like, whoo, wow. I guess you know. And, and the second time though, you just kind of relax, and it is pretty funny seeing this. Oh God, the kid is. Yeah, this is kind of like you know, the, it'd be like if um, the wet the wet band is rolled on the McAllisters, real tough. Uh-huh. You know, like this 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 mid, upper middle class family that had didn't being being jacked on Christmas was not even on their radar, right. and just kind of yeah, happening to them, yeah. Yeah, so many little details in that scene, uh, <sighs> but yeah, we get we get kind of the aftermath of all the the build up last episode, right, to the breakthrough that Elliot has, mm-hmm. and we kind of thought, okay, we need a moment to process this. We wanted to see another scene with Mister Robot to kind of sort this out, and we got that. Yep. Uh, you know, we get back to some of our other plots, which I liked with Dom. No, I mean, I think that's the the ex. This was a really good a very well paced episode and it also i think the way they did it uh, is probably going to improve the pace of the entire season because you're right you needed to take a step back and you know let elliot breathe and process all that stuff but that would be an inherently kind of boring thing you know after you've had a bunch of pretty intense cerebral kind of headspace episodes in a row and then mm-hmm. that really arty one from last uh you need a little bit of action too and i thought that the darlene dom which uh, scenes which were entirely disconnected from Elliot and have been for some time uh, yeah. ever since the heist. I-, I thought those really gave the episode a pulse mm-hmm. that like they were so tense, 
that by the time you were ready to slow down with Elliot, you're kind of like needed that breather. You're requesting a timeout, right? Yeah. And then, you know, when you, that, that well would kind of run dry or, or Elliot would get to a major realization, then it would cut back to Dom and Darlene fighting for their lives in this apartment. Um, and just using the fact that like it's uh, is also like a ticking time bomb. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like oh, I put this knife in her. She has fifteen, maybe twenty minutes to live, yeah. and we're like fifteen, maybe twenty minutes an episode. So there's a ticking time bomb. It's it, it it just gave it that 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 extra juice that I think the episode uh pr- needed 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 to function. Yeah, and I, I was thinking back through the previous episodes of this season. Because like I I'm I'm always trying to gauge like how am I enjoying this season as we go through it, and there were some things like this Deegan stuff kind of almost came out of nowhere for me, mm. and so it got me like going back through previous episodes and looking at them again to see if all this tracks. Totally does by it, the way. It does, we'll get yeah. There. Uh, but it it struck me how good this season has been. Like we've gotten a lot of really good character moments, which yeah. I always love. Yeah, we've gotten a couple experimental episodes that just fucking worked in my uh-huh, opinion like uh-huh. that that uh heist episode was great we got and we got one of the most epic hacks we've had in the entire season or series rather so honestly i look back at this season and i go it's a really good season it's a really good season i do feel like um it helps to get a couple weeks uh between because between some of that action because looking back mm-hmm. you, you remember the big splashy highlights but you don't remember like how sloppy joe some of the execution was um you're like yes it was an epic hike but hike it was an epic hack but it wasn't as epic and you know plausible and well thought out as previous seasons but it was big and epic and it's right at the heart of the beast you know the white rose empire um and but i yeah like the fact that they can pull out a twist like this that was kind of hidden in plain sight and mostly checks out um i think is was amazing and i fact i cheered when it happened I'm like, yeah. holy fucking shit. Dom hasn't just been, you know, sad, depressed, snuffleupagus this whole season. She's been fighting back. She's yeah. been hiding keys. And now all of these keys are found in this episode. And it was cool. It was great. And we still I, have five more episodes to go. Is it with, five or four? Is it really five? I, I think it's five. Holy I think there's 13 in the season. And th- there are still some big things out there uh-huh. that we know we probably are going to get. Who's this third, right? That, right. That we're talking about with Elliot. Uh, what's White Rose's plan? Like, there's still so much left in this season that could be just as good as what has come before that's got me really excited for the end. Yeah, in fact, it's like one of those things where when I was doing research, I like I really liked this episode and, and I watched it again and I got my notes together and I started doing research into it and then I started like, oh God, I'm so... It, fe- it it feels like I'm a, a runner still. Like yeah, I, I've I've ran a long time, but I still got so much f- so much further to go. Because I guess have you been hit by a car yet? I haven't been hit by a car yet. Okay, uh, mm-hmm. and I haven't thrown myself down. Uh, okay, only you one got a in long way to go. Just just one. I got a couple more to throw myself down. But it's like I if if I was watching this as a civilian, I would probably stop reading the the reddits and listening to podcasts because okay. like i was going down some of these and looking at what people are saying i'm like oh, man i just want to, to see what this key is all i you know like i i, I don't want to try to like go back and, and watch mm. season one for episode four and like you know decode what the key means in context and the third personality it's like man we're we're just five weeks away we can just let it wash <laughs> over us but yeah 
but our fandom and our business uh, requires us to try to to figure this puzzle out. And, well, there's and not. It's, it's it makes me tired. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel you. But we're we're super busy right now, uh-huh. so all of this stuff feels like probably more of a burden to us than it would to an audience member who like. They're just loving. Who's Mr. just Robot. watching one show now? Right. Who is the lucky bastard out there that just got the one favorite show that they're watching? It's, like it's I don't think this is anybody's life. Mr. Robot subreddit. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. Like uh, there's so many great shows on right now. I know that it's it's. Yeah, uh, but you don't have to deep dive all of them, right? If you're gonna true. deep dive one, this is probably a pretty good one. Uh, Watchmen could be another good one, but yeah, we have to deep dive all of them. So I understand why you might be feeling a little fatigue. I guess I shallow dive the Mandalorian. Yeah, there's not much diving. I, I, do, I do. It's tricky. It's a, only a three foot deep uh, pool. That one, so you yeah. got to really dive at a very shallow angle. You're just. I, I think this episode is kind of the shallow end of the Mr. Robot pool. Like, really, Mr. Robot, you can go fucking deep. That's like that, true. that Tyrell episode, I had to do like five hours of Camus research. What sure. the fuck? Sure, sure. What the fuck is wrong with me? Sure. Uh, this episode, there's like the key, and you can go back and you can look at some references from previous episodes. Uh-huh. Talk about a key. Yeah. Uh, but that's kind of it, right? Like, there's no. Although I spent maybe an hour just yeah, sussing out that... this Dom and Deegan stuff. Yeah, making sure it all tracked. Right, and, like, right, right. Seeing what they were doing. Right. So, where you, where you could have just you could have just te- you could have just trusted it. Yeah. Uh, plus, there's all this. There's this the ARG still game, the alternate reality game. Okay, still that's being... where I draw the line. That's right. <laughs> yeah. But I, I saw there's like some big breakthroughs in that. Like it, it felt like, and I'm like, ah, no, no. I I forgot that this was even happening like four or five weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, the actual Mr. Robot episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's. We should probably talk about that. Housekeeping. Our annual holiday type shenanigans start next week. Be on the lookout for a little trailer we've cooked up. Pickle Me This is our Rick and Morty podcast for season four. And on this episode, Rick hates heist movies so much he spends an entire 30 minutes subverting the whole genre. Find out what Jim and I have to say on Pickle Me This. Over on Bald Move TV, Alexis and Cecily are covering his Dark Materials, a.k.a. that one HBO show where the scary lady has a monkey that's constructed entirely out of deep shame and red fur. Also, we talked to Mandalorian and Rick and Morty with Gustavo Sarola from Rooster Teeth. Check that out. Over on Bald Movies, in case you missed it, we saw A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood last week. The quasi-Mr. Rogers biopic that had us wondering if you could found a secular religion around the life of Fred Rogers. The answer is almost certainly and that he would hate it. Pretty good argument against doing it, I guess. If you've enjoyed my occasional political tangents here on Bald Move, or maybe especially if you haven't, you might try listening to my new podcast on the Swizzbold Network, Three Right Turns. This week's episode is entitled Star Trek Republican, and I mean, that title doesn't intrigue you. I I don't know. I I, I also make jet noises with my mouth, so check that out. If any of these sound good, you can find out more information on baldmove.com to subscribe or search for the show name wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, we start off 1995, Queen's Museum. Uh, young Elliot and Angela are playing hide-and-seek, and young Elliot goes in the back room and hides something in a crack in the wall in a storage area. That's it. There's a whole scene. Uh, this museum seems closed. Yes. No one in sight. Yes. And I imagine the Queen's Museum is not a place where you would go to get away from people. Right, unless it's like you're breaking into it at night. And I think you're supposed to understand I mean, I, I I saw some people confused by this, but I guess I took it for granted that Angela and uh, um, Elliot would break into this museum and that Elliot would go on to break in because there's no fucking way this is open on Christmas Eve. No, Christmas Day night. Yeah, like 
It's not open like at dark time on December 25th. There's no fucking way. So like, he's, wouldn't think so. Yeah, I feel like he's just breaking in. Like I, I buy that. I buy nine year old Elliot can can yeah. lockpick. Yeah, maybe. It's 95. There weren't as many cameras. There weren't as many detectors. There, you know, it's, it's a lot. It's, it's a different time. It's a different mm-hmm. time. Uh, we've definitely seen this place before in Mr. Robot. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Angela went here looking for Elliot at some point, and uh, I remember this big shot of the the New York model. New yeah, York it's very cool. It's very cool. I think that mm-hmm. the Angela show, showed this place to Darlene as like kind of her and Elliot's secret spot. Um, I also thought that. Um, you know, Elliot sees this big robot-looking golem, and I'm like, yeah. "Is this? Are they going to show like yet another Mr. Robot origin?" You know, this is how Han got his last name. Yes, yes, because he showed up at the dock with just himself, right, and no last name. Yeah, but they didn't. They, there's a couple kind of clever visual things like this. You know, he had to go through this arch of the the world of tomorrow, where mm-hmm. he hides this key that the next, and and it's in a section marked for permanent storage. Mm-hmm. And then he comes back 24 years later, and the sign now just says tomorrow because he's there. You know, this was the world of tomorrow, and now he is in tomorrow, and he's getting the. It's like I, I, th- I thought some of that stuff was clever and satisfying to kind of like just, oh, yeah, I see what you're doing there, Sam. Yeah, it makes me wonder when did he start talking to Mr. Robot? Uh, Before that scene. In this scene, he's talking to someone I think is Mr. Robot. Well, could be the, a third, could be. Yeah. There's also there's also yes. I don't know if you saw a theory that Mr. Robot is an iterative thing like there's been several versions of Mr. Robot as Elliot's gotten older and the threats he's faced has changed like hmm. I, I, I what makes us think that I I I I didn't think much of the theory which is why I didn't start digging okay. into it but when you you're you're talking that way started re, re, reminding me that like we don't that's something to me and Cecily when we're watching it's like I wonder if they'll portray this as Chris like why don't they just have Christian Slater there mm-hmm. the fact that he's talking to an invisible person and we know it as the audience like I think that they're maybe playing around with the idea that there was a third persona that Mr. Robot was a successor persona that maybe was trusted with these secrets because mm-hmm. I don't, and this goes back to like me rewatching season one episode four um do you want to talk about the key shit now or when when Elliot finds it later uh let's talk about it later okay um but on this Mr. Robot thing I think some people were saying, oh, maybe this is where he came up with the name Mr. Robot, um, and that's why he wanted to name the store Mr. Robot, right. because, you know, he's already got this personality. This is his, and this is a safe spot that, you know, yeah. as a weapon against his dad. Like, yeah, you're recontextualizing all those scenes um, is, is going to take a while. I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah. But but they didn't they didn't underline it or highlight it. It was just there. I mean, a, Elliot a does Mr. walk Robot up to it and thing. look at it. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, specifically, they do draw it to our attention, but, like... But he doesn't say, like, Mr. Robot, <laughs> right. you know. Because Sam Esmail is my hack. Well, what kind of robot are you, <laughs> mister? You know, I just... Right. That's what I meant by highlighting. Okay. Uh, then we go back to the modern day. Vera is dead on the floor. Krista tries to get Elliot to leave the apartment before his goons return, but Elliot's unresponsive, dealing with his emotions. Uh, the goons do return and they find Vera dead and Krista and Elliot gone. So they grab Vera's wallet and they leave as Krista gently forces Elliot into a taxi headed to the nearest police station. Have you had Momofuku? I have not. I don't know what it is, but... I think uh, it's one of David Chang's restaurants, like his most famous restaurant in New York. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, Young M.A. made a real compelling case for it. I'm, I'm kinda, I kind of want to sample its wares. Uh, yeah. I, I, I still... I think 
the evidence of Vera not being ready to own New York can be seen just in his underlings. Like there is such, it, it reminds me a lot of like in the wire. It's like where you had like a certain amount of base competence and like an Avon Barksdale, especially a Stringer bill, mm-hmm. but do you get down to a Lieutenant, you know, and maybe, you know, slim Charles, he was pretty, he was, he had a pretty good head on his shoulders, but you get the, some of those guys that are just like, you know, coming up from, you know, being the little hoppers and it's like, Oh wow. There's a really wide variety of after And the, that that's, yeah. yeah, this is a very shallow organizational structure. Uh, I mean, as best I can tell, these are the only two in it. We're <laughs> like, right. Yeah. And then maybe there's some other, but like, yeah, this is a, I think that what I'm getting at is, do you think that the Elliot has to worry about reprisals from peanut and uh, what's the other guy's name? Cause I think that the Vera organizations is done. It's just done. They split what's in his wallet, yeah. and and they go back to school. Hopefully, right? If they know where he lives, they go get a stash or something. Yeah, yeah, and then that's yeah. it. That's it. They go to the the butcher, and they pick up his stash. They go back to the shaman and get get all yeah. the shit and puke out of him. But they're not going to come back against Krista or Mister Ro- or Elliot rather at this point. I think you're right. Like that's not a super compelling storyline either. Mm. Uh, so Tyrell shows up. Yeah, the ghost of Christmas present. <laughs> He's in a holiday commercial, which I assume... Body's probably still war- warm in the woods, Elliot. Yeah. Merry Christmas <laughs> yeah. from E-Corp to you. Yeah, that's what He's he back. did. Everybody wanted him back. He's back. Mm-hmm. Do you feel satisfied? Uh... Well, I noticed I, I noticed that the debate about whether he's dead or alive was renewed at least on Reddit. How could it not be? Um, I still think he's yeah. I still think he'll come back. And, and as much as damn, I still think he's dead. Okay. And I, I don't know if he'll actually be alive or this will be some kind of like weird deep fake uh, white rose hack to make it seem like he's a CEO through the holiday season. Put him on or... on Philip's body. <laughs> yeah, there's. I, I, I I'm not sure exactly in what way, but I fully expect uh, him to come back. Hmm. And mm-hmm. and not and just in like a last scene force ghost kind of thing mm-hmm. at the end of the, like he'll there'll be some kind of. Uh, interaction with this image of this man in a meaningful way before okay. this next five episodes are over there huh. official prediction okay but do you think he's dead like i don't know okay it depends on how sci-fi we're going to get because the him dissolving into that soft kind of blue purple glow could be a white rose digitizing him or who the fuck knows or him you know falling off the finite curve of reality <laughs> i it's just a damn weird way to kill a major character and i've always thought that and i agree your your death house stuff i think is an amazing line of evidence (laughs) and and thought inquiry but i think it's the wool that sam sam esmail is pulling over your eyes hmm. it's it's the above you that you cannot see like he he would be undercutting basically the entirety of that episode if he were to bring tyrell back in physical form at this point i think and undercutting my five hours of research which is more <laughs> well, that's important. the unforgivable sin right I, I i do think the sam esmail will take all that into a little janice style all-in pile and push it into the center of the mr robot experience if he thinks he can blow your mind yeah in episode yeah. 12 or 13 and and that's yeah also like him d- doing all this like publicity about like oh you know the sci-fi stuff is overblown don't expect that i i mean i think he's comfortable with us calling him a dirty dirty fucking liar hmm. If people watch a show and enjoy it, yeah, but we'll see. We'll see. Who will remember the lies ten years from now? No, nobody. Just the show. Nobody. 
Okay, let's move on to the DiPiero family gathered for Christmas uh, when some men in masks break in and grab them. I love so what happens scene. when you threaten your aunt with dickhole splitting kids. <laughs> a whole team of highly trained and tactically outfitted Krampuses come yep. and bag up your whole fucking family. You've been real naughty for this to happen to you. Lump of coals ain't in it. You're going to have a whole bunch of hard hitting Irishmen with crowbars mm. and shit. And it's not going to be fun. So so don't call your aunt uh, splitting dickhole. <laughs> I mean, it's a great line. It it's is a great, great line. line. Like, we'll split the baby. You it's can split my dick It's very fucking Home Alone, too. Like, little yeah, Kevin yeah. acting out because he's a little shit and then being isolated. Uh -huh. And This did have a lot of Home Alone vibe to it. It yeah. felt very, like, this is the most dangerous wet bandits of, of all time. But the, one of my favorite things in this scene is you can see when he says, you can split my dick hole the kid next to him is trying not to crack up. Oh, sure, yeah. Like, like, he's covering his face, he's looking away. We're all saying it because that aunt's a bitch, but yeah. I can't believe you actually said it. Also, how much would you have lost your shit if, if Macaulay Culkin... Like, they talked about him being a cameo in that, like, snowman earlier in the season, but what if he was oh, just, yeah. like, one of the cousins chilling... Like uh -huh. not even in focus. Like it just like he's getting <laughs> roped up in the background. And that like, would have been amazing. Yeah, he would have done it. Yeah, he would have for sure done. I it. I don't think it'd have been believable that the guys have been able to take him take him out. I don't think I don't think you take yeah. Kevin McAllister alive. He's gotta, you give him not, a paint can. No. Done. Yeah. Yeah. If he gets his hands on some duct tape, a can uh -huh. of paint, uh, the fucking uh, blowtorch and a staple gun, a glass Christmas ornament. Oh yeah. He ruins this whole fucking plan <laughs> with a single glass shatter shatter resistant. He's mm -hmm. fucked. He gets himself on a single. If he's got the brass hook intact, he's taking out the whole team. No survivors. <laughs> uh, the other thing I noticed is. It's just it's just so well crafted. This because when the kid walks away, he's been he's been sent to the living room where he can't interact with the family. Yeah, and as he's walking through, you can see someone who I assume is an uncle in the background is just like laughing and drinking, mm -hmm. like watching this whole scene go down and just living the, the, it up. The second time it. when there's no tension, it is <laughs> it's a treat to see this this Christmas just get turned upside down yeah and, and then the the to final the, and to the whole and the fact it's to the most wonderful time of the yes. year which is i don't know that's got to be in everybody's top five christmas song is just mm -hmm. the, the juxtaposition makes it even better and the the final thing i love in this scene is the the mother of this kid as he's leaving the room is talking a bunch of shit she's like well, I don't know. It's so embarrassing. I don't know where he gets language like that. His father oh. he must have been watching letting him watch SummerSlam again and then she calls him a son of a bitch yeah <laughs> Which, it's, and plus that was a little bit of like a christmas story in there too you know like where oh, did you where, yeah, yeah. where did you hear that that's what, yeah it's I, I i this is a great scene it is uh but yeah it's not a very long scene let's move on janice got nothing from darlene's phone so she tries to force darlene to restore it and get elliot's location by stabbing dom in the chest puncturing a lung i like the Janice, she may have to work on Christmas, but God damn it, she's gonna have a festive Christmas anyway. She's got the TV going with the fireplace mm -hmm. lit on it, playing the most wonderful time of the year. Uh -huh. She she knows how to make it cheery. Keep it keep it moving. Yeah. Um, how many more times can a villain on a show lead? a monologue with a random fact that someone read on wikipedia before that's, it becomes a com trope completely unverifiable there there is no recorded human but history i feel like 12, i've seen this ago. scene 10 times this fucking year alone it's like a staple uh -huh. of marvel it's like a staple of a lot of these like golden age of television shit it's like 
I, I'm not saying it's 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 terrible in this context, but like I think we need to find another way to make our characters seem brainy and evil and badass. Yeah, I mean it is a trope at this point. It's good writing. It just has been done so much, like you said. Yeah. Then now it's become a trope. Yeah, and I thought that like it was kind of disappointing to me because I thought Janice is such a unique character. Otherwise, mm. you know, yeah. um, that I. I was a little disappointed to have it just like, oh, she's, oh, yeah, she's going to pass on a tidbit that she got from her latest podcast. Dan Carlin, yeah, the Invention like I almost, of Concrete. I almost wonder if it is like a swipe at history podcast because, mm. like, we don't have records from that far back. We couldn't possibly know that 12,000 years ago, uh, a stone got hit by lightning and people looked at that and said, concrete. Can't we? Like, I don't know. Cause I, you I mean, know, the oldest recorded human history is like 6,000 years old or 6,000 yes. BCE, which is not 12,000 years ago. Right. But like, are, that's not where the archaeology starts. Like, there's like, you know. Sure. So, but how would the human, how would we know the human element of that story? Oh, right. We could certainly know that a lightning strike could have hit limestone. Yeah. But we don't know that humans were around to see that, that and like, got the inspiration for it from there. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, there, we don't know exactly how they invented the. Yeah, I, I can see that point. Because I, I actually I had this similar thought about like you know um, I really fell in love with this book called Sapiens a couple years back, but I really hadn't thought about like they assert that like humans developed consciousness seventy thousand years ago, and I'm like, well, how the fuck do you know? How would we know that? I don't know. How could we know that? I'm I'm telling you though, I'm going to make it my life's mission to find out in the next couple of months because okay. I think it's like there's got to be something, right? They can't just say say yeah, it's got to be like, maybe... well, we know that language was here mm-hmm. and that like cities were born formed here and that you know the concept of 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 symbology and cave paintings was here. So like you know, so a lot of inference that goes on. Yeah. Uh, in in archaeology and and right. historical research, there's be like, something there though. Yeah, maybe there is, but I certainly don't think the people who uh, created the podcast would know much about it. Unless <laughs> you're Dan Carlin, and <laughs> maybe we can talking about fact, events yeah. eighty years ago. Yeah. Did you know that a fact is real if nine out of ten archaeologists get together and agree it is? I saw, heard that on a podcast once. I mean, that's kind of true. <laughs> I mean, it literally <laughs> yeah. is, yeah. Uh, what the hell were we talking about? Uh, we find out that the phone wasn't fake wiped. It was actually wiped. Oh, yes. Because they couldn't get anything off of it. Um, though it is restorable, as we find out later. Yeah, and this sets up the the tension of the episode because, you know, Janice rolls out this whole mat of all these artisanal, uh, I'm going to say the taxidermy knives, and we're like, oh, God, this is going to be a is it secret, is it safe type of situation. And then, nope, she just throws that thing right in Dom's lung. Mm-hmm. And she's going to suck wind for the rest of the episode. And it's going to be very yeah. painful. Wind and blood. Wind and blood. <laughs> Earth, wind, blood, and fire. Yep. <laughs> so what, what's her life's going to be for the next 30 and, minutes and or so. Limestone. Uh, the other thing that they reveal here is that there was some kind of surveillance on Dom in her apartment because they found out that she was masturbating to the it's a damn Alexa. Yeah, yeah. You think so? Alexa's, Did she have one of the camera Alexa's versions? Alexa's a snitch. Shit. Mm-hmm. No, what the problem is is uh, Dom just... foolishly used Alexa to cue up her porn. Hey Alexa, right, right. Cue play, up play Darlene interrogation video, yeah. and then you know some sounds and uh play cue uh, alexa cue dom dom playlist masturbate uh start with darlene interrogation uh-huh uh-huh uh fast forward to darlene licks lips (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. Yeah, that's how it went. That's how it went. You got you gotta you can't do that. That just makes the Dark Army's job easy. Yeah. Uh but I'm assuming it was like probably cameras in her apartment, maybe combination of that and Alexa. Or they could have uh, just had a key log sniffer. Like, I mean, there's so many different ways they could have like uh owned Dom in in this situation that's like, yeah, it could be cameras, could be anything. Oh, I don't think it's well, if it's on her computer, maybe it also includes webcam, mm-hmm. um, because they'd have to know not only she was playing the video, but what she was doing while she was playing the video. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess it's plausible that she was just doing research. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, let's move on. Human go- sexual response time while watching interrogation videos. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. research. All right, we're outside the police station back with Ellie and Krista. And Elliot's lamenting the fact that he didn't fight his father when he was a child. Uh, Krista tells him that he has to try to keep going and remember uh, that what happened is is a good thing because now he can heal. Uh, she says that she'll be there to help him, and he hugs her. She goes into the station, and he follows his younger self into the subway. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a real crazy breakthrough because just you mm-hmm. know the end of last episode he didn't want to be touched and he's famously not a great hugger and now he's uh you know enthusiastically leaning into this this hug um yeah and it's a it's a two-way thing here right like also krista is volunteering to help him again like yeah but I, so this scene really made me fear for elliot's survival of the in the series because you know there's a whole bunch of opportunities where she was trying to give him an off-ramp to get better care and he's uh, not taking him, and she's like, you know, promise me you're gonna take care of himself. He's not gonna make that promise. Uh, I don't know. I, I think that Elliot has for a long time, you know, ever since like slightly before the the Death Howl episode, uh, has been on a suicide mission. Like mm-hmm. I don't think he thinks he's yeah. gonna survive this. I'm starting to think he's not gonna survive it. Yeah, could be right. Certainly. Like best case now, I'm rooting for Dom and Darlene, and probably Dom more than than anybody. It's like mm-hmm. I really hope she doesn't die off screen of this sucking chest wound. Yeah, it's tough to say. Mm-hmm. Um, I I also like, I guess, um, from the stuff I've read, that dissociative identity disorder, which is the thing that Elliot most likely has. Uh, when you have a breakthrough like this, the personalities don't necessarily just go away. Mm-hmm. They don't reintegrate, as it's called. Uh, into the primary personality so it appears that in this episode that's what's happened like he's had this breakthrough he's coming to a healthier place but he still has these other personalities that he that he lives with right sure yeah and they might not be as destructive anymore since now he understands them uh but but they don't necessarily you don't have to have these personalities reintegrate to be considered healthy and Mm -hmm. and to live a a decent life right Mm -hmm. so they're kind of doing that then we go over to Darlene, still not giving up her brother. Uh, so Janice decides to make the call to start killing Dom's family members, and Darlene folds. Yeah, it's interesting. I this uh, thing she said about uh, speaking of podcast facts, I something that um, Malcolm Gladwell asserted in his last season of uh, Revisionist History is like that there were a lot of studies on like the uh, Nazis during the trials of Nuremberg like by a bunch of psychologists to try because you know the whole the the concept is like you know what went wrong here you know what what is a personality type that's susceptible to this kind of behavior mm-hmm. and um a lot of the psychologists said in, in effect that they're these people were entirely normal people 
Hmm. Like, you know, yeah. there's no signs of psychopathy. There's no signs of this, that, and the other. And it's just that, that like, it's something that's essentially everyone's capable of if they have a particular type of belief or they think that what they're doing is for societal good. Um, and I was reminded of that why Janice is asserting that she's not crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, she's just really normal. She just likes cutting up animals and she's capable of butchering an entire family of people to to do what for White Rose? You know, it's, I, I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Um, there was also some question about what was happening in the scene where the family was kidnapped. Mm. If the Dark Army was busting in and taking this family or if it was Deegan. And I think this scene clears that up. She says that she's going to make the call to the surveillance team outside your house, um, implying that they do not have orders to go in until she gives them the call. Yeah, but watching the first time this episode, you never even think. No. The first time through, I thought, this is the Dark Army busting in. Oh, yeah, for sure. uh, Holding them as an insurance policy against Yeah, and then when they start getting calls and and say to kill them, then they'll, you know. Right. So I... It's, it's but this it's makes played it really straight, that's not yeah. True. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, it took me a second watch to even understand that. This was like the early sign that uh, it's a false false flag. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I don't quite understand here is why Dom, or I'm sorry, Darlene, would trade essentially her own life and Elliot's life for the lives of Dom's family. Cause she cares it's, about Dom. I know, but does she not care about Elliot? Right. <laughs> like. She's giving Elliot's life over to these people. I mean, one point that I don't think is not nothing is that Darlene and Elliot went into this thing with eyes wide open, knowing what they could get, knowing the uh, wa- you know wasp nest they're kicking over, um, and they more or less deserve you know what's coming to them. Yeah. They're not Dom, innocents. Dom is an is is an innocent. Like you know, if you if if, if mm-hmm. you know you want to go with uh, uh, scary Janice's explanation that she's working for the United States government, so she is, you know, if not a murderer herself, then in association with murderers. Okay, fine. But the way most people do moral calculus, uh, Dom is an innocent, and in fact, she's something of a paladin. You know, she sees herself as a as a as a as a righteous force for good in the world. Um, so like and more so her her family and for her family is so innocent i i just yeah um i i just don't i i don't know that i buy this bond between them that they're talking about i don't think they did an especially great job of portraying it like i think i i like i buy it from dom that she's somewhat obsessed yeah. with darlene mm-hmm. but not like a like like a healthy kind of you know brotherhood no. type of all suffusing love and i don't think darlene thought you know maybe she's guilty for using dom but yeah. i don't think i never i don't know i didn't get in that episode that darlene was like fucking falling for dom no i think they needed to do more with it to yeah. really sell this moment to me yeah and then they can do it really efficiently like i thought that like what they did to livia and and uh elliot's in previous episodes was really well done and they had about mm-hmm. as much screen time as dom and darlene um, I just think this is something that, you know, while I think it, the evidence shows that Sam's had a lot of this stuff planned out since season one, some of this stuff is improv. And I think this uh, Darlene Dom kind of fulcrum is is a bit of that because it, it doesn't quite track for me. Yeah. And even at the end, like, uh, you know, when Dar- Dom's like, go find your brother and save, like, there's no, like, tearful goodbye. There's no kiss. There's no, rec- like, Darlene just bounces, which... Mm-hmm. 
I would expect. I don't think she'd, but like, so then why, yeah, why is she flirting with, I don't know, giving up her brother? Yeah, I, it's, I mean, it does, so this scene does show where her loyalties lie, I mm-hmm. guess. Um, and she cares, like, if you if you believe this scene, she cares more about Dom and, and her family at this moment than she does Elliot, which, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think has been totally sold to me. But with that in mind, I guess, like, like if she it's a, it's if, if she if she had known that Elliot was not going to be at Krista's and like had dropped his phone there, then I could see her giving it up as a way to like you know buy time. Mm-hmm. But it's clear to me that she didn't know that, and she no, thought no. she was giving Elliot up. Yeah. So you it, that that doesn't quite track for me, but whatever. Okay. Uh, then we go to Elliot following young Elliot back to the Queen's Museum, where he apologizes for not protecting. Uh, the young version of himself and that version of himself takes him to the back room and shows him what he did as a child which is hide this key to his childhood bedroom and turns out Elliot was fighting his father after all and just didn't realize it yeah and that this was uh, there's a previously on that was I think pretty crucial where is a conversation that him and Angela had about this spot and she said, you know, sometimes when you're however old they were running away seems like a viable solution to your problems. And it seems like that's something that Elliot's internalized that yeah. like he always ran. He always ran. He disassociated. He let himself, um, you know, be victimized. And it's a pretty toxic mindset for a child to have and then to carry into their adulthood. Um, and this is kind of like his child self. Um kind of absolving him of that like hey we not you we fought back how and where we could Mm -hmm. it's just we're kids you know yeah and i think the stuff that krista said earlier in the episode starts to hit home right Mm -hmm. like this was not up to you yeah uh you you couldn't have done anything wrong because you were a child uh and i also like there uh, you know you can't point out every single visual easter egg in this but i like how he comes back to this room uh, this sign has been moved over to the other side of the room, but the the robot has been covered in plastic mm. and sort of it's smaller in the frame, right? It's like the show it, that Mister Robot's been pushed to the corner of right. his, his consciousness. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Uh, also, touch. the 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 key looking right. like an E coin logo. Yeah, definitely looks like an E or E Corp logo, I should say. And people are really spinning this out into theories and stuff. Yeah. Um, but I won't go too far into that. I do think that, like, there's a guy, uh, one of those guys spinning, and it was Berlin Day and Night on Reddit. Um, and I didn't agree with the theory he was taking it, but, like, the analysis where it's, like, when we next see Elliot, he's struggling. Because he had his theory that, like, this scene didn't even take place. It was something he took it mm-hmm. took place in his mind. Yeah. I don't think that's true. But, oh, like, yeah. I did, like, uh, and his evidence for that is, like, if you look at the Python script that um, Elliot's working on in the next scene... He is doing a regular expression uh, template to uh, modify this new wallet address. And uh, this wallet address has like, these private keys, this uh, secure socket layer certificates. And that, I think, is a way to thematically tie like the thing that Elliot's wrestling with now with the thing that he was wrestling with before. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's to suggest that like this trip to Queen's Museum didn't actually happen. No, I don't think so either. But I'd also, I don't think it changes the plot either way. Like if it was right. him going back in his own memory or actually in physical space, it does. I don't think it really matters. Mm-hmm. All right, we go back to Dom, Darlene, Janice, a uh, couple of DA goons. They check the location of Elliot's phone, but he's not there. 
Janice is not satisfied with their arrangement, and Darlene is at a complete loss here. So Janice decides she's going to kill Dom's mom to try and force more info out of Darlene. Uh, unfortunately, her team is not picking up the phone. Dom says, hey, maybe take a look at my phone. And lucky Irish bastard has called 14 times. So Janice returns this call and find out finds out that Dom's plan to have Deegan grab her family and take them to a safe house went off without a hitch. Dom makes a desperate play to kill Janice and her DA goons, which works, but she's dying even faster now after having pulled the knife out. And she calls the authorities, gives them her location, and then tells Darlene to get the fuck out so she doesn't get arrested. Um, I, I, I'm slightly bothered on multiple watches of how fast and loose they play with Dom and how breathy and, and how yeah. screamy she can be. I, I had to let that go at some point. But it'd been so much cooler if they'd have been consistent with it, right? A little more gurgling. Yeah, like she gets progressively weaker and weaker. It's harder to hear. Like that would have yeah. been that would have really sold the the ticking time bomb. Like every time when it's dramatically appropriate, she can just full scroted full scroted. Full scroted. Full throated, scroted <laughs> scream for her family's life and beg Janice from across the room. It's like yeah, ah, split I guess so. you know, she's got pluck. She's got pluck. She does, yeah. Uh, enough pluck to it helps pull her off on her saving throws to resist the uh, collapsed lung. Yeah. Don, I can Don, see that. Don She's Don just rolling, rolling natural 20s on her on her saves. Uh I love the shot, the the visual shot here. Um this this camera move they're oh, doing. Oh, it's whir when it's whirling around, catching yeah. everyone's dialogue. This is seems it? like a really fucking hard shot to get because yeah. there's a lot of verticality to it. Like Dom is on the floor, Janice is standing up, mm -hmm. uh Darlene's in the middle, sitting down, and like they have to get everybody's face, and so they're kind of going up and down with the camera as they're spinning. Well, that, but the and when you're writing a script, you have to keep a tempo going so the camera can yeah. pan over people as they're speaking, and and you have to get the, the fucking crew out of the way. How do you? Yeah. How do you? Man, I don't know how you get this shot. It was it was really cool. Dro you think like a dr drone or the, like a tripod? But you couldn't that can have anybody else in the spin? room unless you're doing some visual trickery. Yeah, plus like it filming to be, half like, an arc, and you have then, to have it on a real location. You know, it can't be like a uh -huh. three wall set. Yeah, no, it's it's a really good shot, uh -huh. uh, technically, and uh, I think emotionally, like this gives you a disoriented feeling, right? Sam Esmail like, did like the Mandalorian with that Gatling gun. He just got on a he just got on a camera yeah. tripod, spun it around, and waved it up and down. Shot everybody, shot everybody in old damn scene three four times. <laughs> Yeah, Sam took over the cinematography for this episode. He did. He did. Uh, and so here's where I spent too much time, frankly, uh, trying to backtrack through this season and see how we get from Deegan being introduced to this plan going off. Mm -hmm. And it actually works a lot better than I remembered because there's a lot of scenes that you look at without the proper context and you go, hmm, okay, Dom's just being... You know, extra cautious or paranoid because she sure. knows the DA is around her and she's taking down these license plate numbers. Turns out she was recording those in order to give them to Deegan later, like uh -huh. uh, and trade that for his freedom that exactly. she engineered. Yeah, and and they they play this moment where she finds out that he's been released as sort of like an uh oh moment. Uh huh. But when you go back and you view it in context, it's a relief. It's because Dom is sitting in that car not breathing mm -hmm. she can't fucking breathe which i think is brilliant you know with where we end up right but she she can't breathe and then she sees this note and then she just she finally starts breathing again right interesting lets out this little sigh and starts breathing and i they played it so subtly so so on the fence that you could go either way and i agree with that 
Yeah. But I want to I want to talk about the the flip side of this coin. Um, and it, it came to us in the form of a feedback by Joe Pine Tree. Uh, he talks about some of the plot holes that we've talked about in episodes past. Um, uh, he says, but then he talks about a little quibbles he had with Vera, but he's talking about this episode. So the dark army has tapped into Dom stuff so deeply to know not only she's watching the death position tape, but she's masturbating to it, but somehow they are surprised that Dom didn't car- kill Darlene, missed the whole deal with the Irish mobster and are worse than Vera at tracking Elliot. I keep hoping that something will explain these gaping holes in the story, but so far nothing. Are we giving this TV show too much of the benefit of the doubt because of the stellar acting and cinematography? I think well, there's something to that. Maybe, but not as much as you think. Because I think this deal yeah. is struck up inside FBI headquarters. Like, yeah. Because there's there when she first meets Deegan, she finds out what he does, that he's a disappearer, disappearer as we called it in Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she says, I think we could help each other. Which to me says that she's forming a plan, a defense strategy against the Dark Army right then and there. And so... If you think, yes, okay, they have Dom bugged in her home. They have Dom's computers and phones and shit. Well, what they probably don't have is an FBI interrogation room, right? Because they yeah. would have to get that from her. Plus, And she would know about it. Yeah, and, and or if it's legacy that they had over Santiago. I think yeah. you're probably right Maybe. that someone that works for the FBI could find places where the Dark Army wouldn't be able to monitor. And the Dark Army maybe not care because they have the ultimate leverage over her. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I thought it play, I thought I, it satisfied me. Like I didn't have a problem. I do have problems here and there with like some stuff, but like this one I thought was a pretty good twist. That I didn't see coming and felt rewarding in the moment. And, mm-hmm. you know, just mentally thinking back about it and you went back and verified it. Like it seemed like it tracked. Yeah. So, and yeah, then, you know, it it's, it's so does. brilliant as it plays like, you know, I remember think I remember us saying on the podcast like, well, gosh, I guess this guy was like some kind of dark army high up. It turns out because the implication without this new information was that Darlene had or Dom had pulled some strings to get it out for the dark army. I think there was some kind of like text chain mm-hmm. that made made it seem like the, her coworker couldn't believe that this happened. Um, and yeah, you know, now we just recontextualize everything. I think it's I, I think it's smart, but I see what Joe Pine Tree mm-hmm. saying. I do think I've just show, been so immersed in yeah. the rest of the story that I totally forgot about all of these little right. scenes that make all this add up. Yeah, and that's why I'm so like I'd that, go back and verify. And, for and, myself. and it's it's important. Like the the art is important because that's one of the things yeah. we always said on The Walking Dead. It's like part of the thing that was a bummer about The Walking Dead screwing up so much of the little stuff is that that made it impossible for them to nail the big stuff. Like, cause mm-hmm. they had actors that if you gave them a couple lines, of good dialogue could pull it off. And oh, every yeah. once in a while they would do it. But if they're doing it in the middle of a cow pasture full of shit, no one cares because like you've already lost a connection to the episode. So like doing all mm-hmm. the little things, the cinematography, the acting, keeping you fully engaged makes it to where when the script is imperfect as it's going to be, you just kind of smooth over that because right. it's so, it's so easy to do so. Mm-hmm. So it it still pays to try to fuck up as little as you can. You're ever you're always going to fuck up a, a a time or two. I mean, Sam Esma got a fu- wine bottle from the future uh, <laughs> right. stuck in an episode earlier this season. Like yeah. fuck ups happen, you know. Uh, I, I guess the the one of the other things I noticed about this whole arrangement is Dom is taking a pretty big risk with this Deegan thing because. Sure. She has clued him in on everything uh-huh. that she is 
being extorted by the Dark Army uh-huh. uh, or eh, blackmailed, extorted. I, fine line between uh-huh. those two. But because uh, he clearly knows who Janice is. Like she calls up and it's like, oh, the Dark yeah, Army. Yeah, the Dark yeah. Army lass, yeah. Uh, so I feel like that's a big risk for her to take because if Deegan you know, runs his mouth and the Dark Army gets wind of this, like they're, well, maybe they just go put Deegan down and then say, don't yeah. fucking do that again. Also, I wonder if the Dark Army is kind of like white collar crime organization. Because like Deegan did not see, he knows who the Dark Army is and just doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. Like, oh, oh he's you're going to threaten so many times by so many people. Yeah, like he's going to go back to some uh, neighborhood in Ireland where he's going to be surrounded five miles yeah. deep by people who would die rather than give him up. And it's like, you have no power. Like, yeah, if I was yeah. a type that would like want to hang out in a fucking office building 88 stories <laughs> tall, I might be worried. But no, fuck you. I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, it gave it. And I don't know if that's I don't know if it's an accurate read on the situation but it does give this interesting kind of layer to dark army where like they are all powerful in like legit society mm-hmm. but illegitimate society like the joey badasses of the world they're like yeah yeah it's like hey they want to pay me a hundred thousand dollars to babysit this weirdo in in you know like like to keep an eye on this weirdo for a couple of months yeah i'll absolutely do it mm-hmm. but yeah yeah i don't know i think that's kind of cool that mm-hmm. that they're it's it's kind of like the scene in the Rocketeer where like the Nazis all thought the gangster the 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 mobsters would work with them and then like the mob finds out they're Nazis and they're like what the fuck you know yeah sure we're mafia but we're American mafia is the Rocketeer a deep cut I feel like it's a really deep cut yeah did I've, a lot of people see the Rocketeer I saw hey, it but I was Disney like Plus fuckers get out there and catch up old. it's a good movie it's a good movie it's a good movie yeah I don't remember it well enough apparently it's got Jennifer Connelly at the height of her powers. Hmm. Uh, also, I can we just say how badass this moment with Dom is? Like, it's <laughs> it's a little, it's borderline unbelievable. It's some Jason for someone shit. who's been stabbed in the lungs and has bled out for ten minutes into uh-huh. their 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 respiratory system. Mm-hmm. But but Janice has built her up awesome. this, the the entire fucking scene about yeah. like you know like a normal person only survive fifteen, but you know our Dom, she's a fighter and oh she's got so uh-huh. much pluck and she literally pulls a knife out of her lungs uses it to slice some goon's Achilles tendon, uh-huh. puts a bullet in Janice's and goon number two's O-ring from like, what, 15, 20 feet away or under crazy tension, mm-hmm. having bled to death for X amount and uh, while your lungs collapse, and then yeah. no look shot behind. Yeah, it was badass. Super badass. It's, John, it's, it's actually People better than Bourne. It's, a little John, it's it, almost John Wick. Yeah, they're calling her Dom Wick, which I I, don't I like. love that. Yeah, That's good. That's good. For sure. Uh, okay, let's move on. Final scene. Elliot's having a hard time coding a script for tonight's Deus Hack. Uh, Mr. Robot shows up and nervously tries to explain his role in Elliot's life and how he fucked that up. And Elliot understands why he did what he did and who he really is now, the father he needed, not the one he had. And after the conversation, Elliot decides that he can't go through with the hack and breaks down crying. Uh I know you have a lot to say about this scene. I don't know. I can think about it as Lance Riddick saying Ms. Week to to Dominic at this point now. <laughs> oh, okay. Checking her into the Continental. Uh-huh. Good evening, Ms. Week. It's been uh, too long. <laughs> what if it were Christian Slater saying that? I have the interrogation video queued up in your room. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> she slides him a gold piece. Uh, what were you asking now? I, I, was, I was fantasizing. What? what if it were Christian Slater saying those lines to Dom instead? Uh, okay. 
I, I we talked about this pre your 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 busting my balls was something I said in pre uh, pre cap or pre pre podcast. I'm not busting you. I'm just trying to get you. I'm trying to spur. A I'm conversation. scared because I think this is a controversial opinion. It is, yeah. And and I'm gonna I'm I want to take some time to fully explain my thoughts behind this. Um, because I like Christian Slater. Mm-hmm. I've got a lot of affection for him, both in like growing up and watching Mac. And I think he's been just like this 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 new this uh, turn of his career took with Mr. Robot is amazing, and he's done a lot of great work. I felt like this was really good material and he didn't have his arms around it. I thought this monologue was pretty okay and it should have been amazing. And I wonder if, because I was reading an interview last week, someone shared this in light of the recontextualizing we, we've had of his character that like he said that he always struggled to kind of play the like really mean tough guy angry uh mr robot side of the role and he really enjoyed when he was able to play mr alderson because he was able to be loving and caring um and it makes me think that like i don't i i imagine that sam esmail probably did not tell all the characters i mean maybe he would tell uh Rami and Slater to kind of like, hey, put a little bit of this curveball on this scene so it plays, mm-hmm. maybe. But I could just as easily see him, and I wonder if like that was a struggle for Christian Slater to be like, oh shit, you know, I th- th- because like I don't know, I've seen him do better than this, and I felt like he just didn't quite have his hands around the material, and and uh, maybe I'm the only person in the world that feels that way, but that's my honor, especially when you see what uh, you know, uh, uh, Rami Malik is doing. Yeah, I mean, it could just be that tough. he's going up short against him because he's more of like a cocky kind of smirky asshole than like a guy that's labeled to able to level and empathize on something this fucking heavy but i don't know i thought it it it, it made the scene it, it it took a couple points away from the scene i i understand what you're saying Th- this felt like a different lane for christian slater like i well maybe not for him but certainly for mr robot like i've i look back at other seasons of mr robot and i say He's he's never really been this. Mm. He's never been apologetic. He's never been this somber. Um, and it, it does feel very different. Now, I don't know if I chalk that up to Christian Slater not being able to handle this material because I think he did a good job. Well, plus there's also the layer that this isn't a real person. This is a construct of Elliot. It's the construct designed to be tough and protective mm-hmm. and... Uh, maybe bury its emotions. So maybe that's like it was intentionally. He's Mister Robot. He's not Mister Emotive. Maybe the Esmail directed him to bring it back a couple notches because. But I, the thing that it's unfortunate because I think that there's this scene where like Mister Robot comes and just listens and comforts Elliot, and um, kind of like puts his hand like like uh. And they embrace each other, right? When are you talking about? Uh, like the very end of the scene. Oh, okay. When yeah. he says, I don't think I can do this. I don't know if I yep. can hack it anymore. And they hold each other. And I feel like that this is like self-love visualized. Uh-huh. You know, the fact that like, you know, that's we've, we've seen this before in fiction um, and honestly real life. Like Jesse Pinkman, his therapist saying, uh, her, his group leader saying that you, no matter what heinous shit you've done, and he used an example of he got drunk and backed over his child in the driveway. Yeah. The first step at becoming a better person is letting go of that, and you know that that guilt and the anger and shame because that that's those those be those 
those feelings just reinforce behavior to keep you tra trapped in the past. And I right. felt like that this was like Elliot kind of reintegrating or kind of accepting things about himself and like, you know, learning to deal with this new thing in a healthy way. And as little undercut, if I'm supposed to understand that Mr. Robot's not an emotional and he's not, you know, but yeah, I mean, those, those things that you're talking about, the guilt, mm -hmm. the anger, the shame, the, mm -hmm. the, the fear, all of that is, is what was feeding Mr. Robot. What was, what was making Mr. Robot have the personality he had, right? This cocky, like sort of in your face kind of guy. He needed to be that to keep these memories from Elliot. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, now that that those defenses aren't there, like I think Mr. Robot comes at this with an entirely different personality mm -hmm. because he isn't the same character. He can't be the same character. Yeah. So yeah, I, I mean, I, I really love what they're doing in the scene. I, I personally think Christopher or Christopher Christian Slater, uh, did a good job. Can I imagine someone else doing a better job? Sure. But I can imagine a lot of things. What if it were Rami Malek? performing against Rami Malek. There you go. You drop the you have you have Christian Slater dissolve into yeah. it's Ram, it's Rami on Rami. Just just get some deep fake oh, tech. Oh, you get his brother. You get his identical brother. You don't even have to tech, <laughs> just just Sammy? Sammy Malek? Yeah. Is it yeah, isn't it? It is, yeah. Oh, is, does he has he ever acted in his life? Probably Wouldn't not. Wouldn't that be no. hilarious as like, you know, <laughs> Rami is like killing it, uh -huh. and Sammy's over there, like looking exactly like him, but yeah, looking like a person you just drug off the sidewalk and said, "Hey, act against one of the best living actors alive." <laughs> that would be yeah, funny. It would, uh, but this this is a great scene emotionally, and it makes it it raises a lot of questions for me. Um, a, will he be able to go through with this hack? He says he can't do it at the end of this episode, but. Mm. We know that this is still ahead of him. We know that Darlene has a big role to play in this. She's I, now out of custody. So I got two. I got two theories that I came up with right after I got done watching the first episode. This is, okay. this is just some fucking straight off the dome. How cool would it be if Darlene comes back and gives Elliot the speech that he needs to like find faith in himself and continue with the hack? Mm -hmm. but how cooler would it be if Darlene comes and sees her brother incapacitated by all this pain and just fucking does the hack herself beast yeah. modes it. Yeah. I think she could. I think she could too. And at this point would probably be a better option than the shit code that Elliot is writing. Right. <laughs> Cause people have examined that code and, and I took a look at it and yeah, it's bad. Yeah. There's, there's like, it's, it's pretty sloppy Joe. Yeah. As, as we've said about the plot and certain elements. Um, so, you know, Elliot's not at his best and I think Darlene's a good coder in her own right. So, yeah. yeah get her on it yeah they used to say that um this is something that was like on um the bill poland show he used to be the general manager of the colts and he said that like um a hundred percent of the replacement guy is better than 95 percent of the star yeah so like if you got a start it's like you know like oh his his legs a little gimped and he's five percent off his fastball the like the the, the his replacement is better hmm. so like even if Dar you're saying darlene is like 90 percent as good as elliot if elliot's like emotionally compromised and this scatterbrained she's yeah. still going to be the better option and i would i think that would be super cool to see her carry her brother uh through that and 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 be the one to save him and barring some like crazy sci-fi event in the last five episodes of this season mm -hmm. the best chance elliot has at survival is to perform this hack for mm -hmm. for some reason i can't quite explain like i'm not actually sure why taking deus money 
means they're not going to kill him. It, but, it, 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 well, it's like the Rick and Morty thing where as soon as the money is there, they're like, the people are like, uh, kill right. Elliot. Well, I'll kill him for money. And yeah. White Rose takes her pockets out and there's like fucking moths flying out of it. And then <laughs> sure. all of her henchmen just leave, you know? Uh-huh. Like, but yeah, like... I can't quite tell you why that's true, but that's the scenario they've set up, right? He's right. got to perform this hack in order to live, in order for potentially both himself and Darlene to live. Somehow this will stop the Dark Army in its tracks once and for all. Yes. I don't know. In an instant. I mean, it's it's it, it seems like the only way that happened is like some kind of sci-fi thing where like literally yeah. she's standing in some kind of techno temple and... Mm-hmm. If she, and, if and she and were if it doesn't have five trillion dollars, it collapses in on itself like... Yeah. Like like a tomb that's been raided in an Indiana Jones movie, you know, mm-hmm. like all her and her goons just are ah, as, as as all this shit falls on them. Maybe White Rose is actually an artificial intelligence uh, projection of a human being, and that artificial intelligence is run on cryptocurrency. <laughs> it's it's blockchain based, and if you can eliminate the blockchain, oh man, there goes it's like behind it taking her brain away. Yeah, mm. that's my new. Definitely She's an emergent theory. consciousness from the Bitcoin blockchain. Yes. All right. <laughs> no, but somehow <laughs> that's going to save them. I don't know how, but he's somebody has to do this hack. Otherwise, I think Elliot is just dead, which is a totally plausible outcome for the series. I think Elliot might just well. be dead anyway. Yeah. But like, can he be a martyr and like save the world? That's the the true question. And that's the other thing. It's like you know, I'm almost like. Fuck the sci-fi shit. Fuck the time travel. Fuck the resurrection of the dead. Fuck the AI intelligence. What does this... In, what? How is this impacted on the real world? Mm-hmm. You know, because this show has always been about, like, you know, what do we do in this age of, like, powerless civilians against these giant, you know, immortal corporations that own the world? Mm-hmm. And it'll be a little bit disappointing if there's not any resolution to that. I mean, the answer in the past in the show has been nothing. We yeah. can't do anything. Right. I don't like that answer. And I don't like the answer of like, I, I also, it's should... like, what you really should be worried about is some kind of fucking particle splitting experiment that they're doing right. deep in upstate New York that some Chinese national is like, no, yeah. that's not the real world. Like, what's what's the solution here? I might be I expecting mean, too much. I think we have to steal ourselves for the possibility that this will be a downbeat uh climax uh, mm. a, a downbeat finale but it just feels you know this like late 20s hacker in a hoodie versus this mm-hmm. crazy powerful you know trans woman is 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 the devil versus god and mm-hmm. i think any that 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 should feel climactic although i guess it's a trope that like how many times have you seen like what was it wasn't there a like arnold schwarzenegger movie where he like fights satan Am I am I crazy uh, or wasn't there? Yes, Stigmata. No, that's Kevin Bacon. <laughs> yeah, but I think he. But End like, of days. End of yes, days. Yes, there you yeah. go. And like, how many times have you seen like a literal Armageddon event that's averted and the rest of the world doesn't even notice? Yeah, it's like you know Jehovah and Satan duke it out in the back alley, and like this huge energy explosion uh-huh. rips through town, and like, eh, tomorrow's right. just tomorrow. It's not like you know we. Eh. So maybe maybe that, that feels right. I mean, Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange did that, right? Sure. Yeah. Darmamu. That's true. But Doctor Strange is a warlock, and this isn't a movie. Yeah. This isn't a show about warlocks. <laughs> he was also right? a hacker. Didn't right? know that. Yeah. So uh, I feel like this is a little bit more ground that I'm expecting to see some real world 
some some non tot dab inducing uh mm, you might solutions. be asking for too much i might be asking for too much yeah well that's, we that's wanna, the end of the episode that's the end of the episode shall we get right to feedback yeah let's do it you can send feedback to robot at baldmove.com where it'll be considered by our email processing intelligence system mm-hmm. codenamed aaron until bitcoin goes to zero and then it's done <laughs> and it's done uh first up deborah a uh, this some of this feedback is for the previous week, of course. In the most recent podcast, you guys were wondering why Esmail would have scripted it that Elliot seemed to have almost succumbed to or been convinced by Vera's final speech, and why it's Krista and not Elliot who has to shut him down. I'd argue that dramatically, this all makes sense for Elliot in that moment. This is because in real life, it's quite common for abuse survivors who haven't fully processed their history with the therapist to end up being re-victimized by others because they often can't recognize when they're repeating patterns from their past. While this episode shows an extreme and super immediate example of that happening, because obviously most people don't have this happen immediately after recall of a blocked memory. And a gunpoint. What you see play out in this part of the script between Vera and Elliot is literally just that. In fact, if you look at the language objectively in that scene, what Vera is doing or saying to Elliot is the exact same dynamic that would have played out between Elliot and his father or any child and their abuser to convince a kid that what was happening was okay and that they should trust them and go along with it. Uh, for example, Vera tells Elliot that he doesn't have to be scared. He tries to touch Elliot when Elliot tells him not to. Uh, Vera says, you know there's nothing you can do to stop this. Vera says, I know it's hard to go on when you're carrying this around, but you can, enforcing or reinforcing the idea of secret keeping. Elliot asks how. Vera says, you don't have to carry it alone. I'm here with you. Elliot, you, you did this to me. Vera says, I did it for you. Vera then calls Elliot beautiful and special. So if you read it in this way, it's all very clear that Elliot is resisting and then succumbing in much the same way he had as a child. That's how he knows how to survive. He doesn't know how to be different than that. That's also why it makes total sense that it's Krista, the therapist, who's the one who is capable of seeing the dynamic happening here and not Elliot, and that she's the one to stop it. She understands that what Vera is doing is grooming behavior because she knows what that is. And of course, Vera also ends with, I see you now which he had already told Krista was his code for the moment when he knows he's broken and can control someone. So it's really symbolically fitting that Krista, the only stable and trustworthy person in Elliot's life, is the only one in this show who has truly ever fully seen him, which her notes revealed, and who was the one who stepped in to protect him. And I think that's holy, excellent analysis, Deborah. that I'm fine with letting stand. Do you have anything to add? I mean, yeah, I, I, I think we all knew that he was trying to take advantage of Elliot in that moment. But when you break it down like that and show the actual steps, it becomes very clear. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 I, the, I appreciate the color on that. The, the piece, the puzzle piece clicking in was the, the, how this, the, the dialogue tree was aping what an abuser would do to groom a child. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's, that's a great point. And, and I think it's interesting, Krista stepping in, not just to get them out of the situation they're in, which is a violent and dangerous one, but also to, to step it to intervene on this emotionally dangerous process that's happening with Elliot. Right. As a therapist, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Brent says, have you discussed the possibility that the third persona for Elliot is the audience via the fourth wall? Yep. What if we see interactions towards the end of the show that sh- wait, I'm sorry. What if we see interactions towards the end that show that we were somehow interacting with other characters off screen as the third persona? Perhaps we were told things and possibly engaged in activity without the knowledge of Elliot or Mr. Robot. I can't think of a better or more satisfying way of landing the bread come the bread comes the bread cometh uh, the Sam Esmail claims to have left behind because the fourth wall breaks have set us up to be an aspect of Elliot all along. 
I mean, we have talked about this from time to time. Does it not seem clear to you that the third persona is just young Elliot? Like the Elliot that knew the truth and that he's been, it's been locked away this entire time. Mm, it does not seem clear to me. No. Because I wanted to resist that for the longest time because when they talk about the third persona, it immediately smash cuts to his mom caretaking the younger version of Elliot and saying they're not ready to meet. And I'm like, well, that's just too on the nose. Well, I mean, if you look back at the conference room scene where mm-hmm. this third is announced, right, mm-hmm. where we were clued in that that even exists, mm-hmm. young Elliot is sitting there and and he's asking, like, who is this other person? Is it uh, Elliot? Is it somebody else? And but who she is says that no. that's asking that question? It's young Elliot. Right. So there's a third person. Like, so we've got Mr. Robot. But why would young Elliot Elliot's Prime. mother tell young is Elliot, Elliot mo- that, is Elliot's that mother is coming if he was him? Do we have five? Well, no, I think in, from that perspective, she's telling young Elliot that Elliot Prime is the one that will meet him, but it's not time. And, El- that, and they met in this episode. But doesn't he ask her specifically if that's Elliot that she's talking about? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Because, uh, like... I thought he iterated through all the people So there's knew. way more than three personas, then. Yeah, I mean, people have speculated about four. Um, I, f- I don't know. Was what, it a five because the, the number of chairs are on that ta- goddamn table? It might have been five. I thought it was four. But, yeah, it could be. Um, yeah, I, the episode one, we went over all of this shit, and it was uh-huh. much more clear in my mind at that point. Yeah. And I don't think I've seen anything that's added much information to that equation, at least in my mind. I'm going to say that I think we just met the third the persona and that okay. it is the young Elliot, the, the the Elliot that knew the truth about what happened to them that was shut down by and repressed by Mr. Robot is finally meeting the Elliot Prime. The one problem I have with that is... And we forgot to discuss this in terms of the key. Uh, I think there's actually feedback here that touches on it, so I'll, I'll wait for that to happen. But there's a whole bunch of stuff in where we've seen this key before, which is in epi- yeah. season one, episode four, where uh, Elliot's kicking heroin, going through heroin withdrawal. Um, and there's this dream version of Angela who asserts that Elliot's not the real Elliot or not the right Elliot. Um, he's only been alive for a month. He's only been alive for a month. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if so. When is is was young Elliot kind of like the Elliot in control, and then Mister Robot locked that away to birth this new version of Elliot that would be strong enough to do the hacks? I, I is this third? Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm. Mm. I guess I'm trying to make peace with the fact that maybe this 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 alternate identity is not going to be as groundbreaking as we think. Because like I think the yeah. the secret that Sam has embedded in the beginning of the show is this thing about the child abuse. I think the mm-hmm. the big series wide reveal has already been revealed. So like everything, you know, there's still stuff to explore about White Rose, but stuff about Elliot psychology. I feel like we're getting towards the bottom of, but maybe not. The other question I have is why would this version, why would a version of Elliot lock away Vera? Because that was the big central mystery. Is like, yeah, why didn't they tell Elliot or Mister Robot about Vera? Is it because they Darlene knew did? they they could send something about Vera the same way Vera could send about Elliot? That like you know maybe that Vera is the weapon I can use to break free from Mister Robot. I've been I've been wondering if this other personality is Elliot's actual father. Edward, um, you know, the bad version of him. Mm-hmm. 
and in that context, I think that would make a little bit of sense. Hmm. Um, cause he, I think Edward would have an interest in keeping this memory from Elliot as well. Um, but I don't know. I haven't fully thought through that, so I don't want to assert that too strongly. Uh, okay, let's move on to Amon from Lon- London. I probably imagine that many people have picked this up, but there's a vast number of references to a small key in Season 1, Episode 4. Ah, thank you, Amon. This is the key email. Mm-hmm. Which Elliot is hallucinating, which Sam Esmail has alluded to contain many of the show's mysteries. The fact that this is so baked into the show leads me to believe that Esmail really did plan this from the beginning. I mean, yeah. yes, obvious. The sequence also keeps characters asking Elliot who the monster is or who his monster is, which is pretty clearly now his father. Um, So he says probably the only part of the sequence that we haven't deciphered is within an exchange between Angela and Elliot in which she's abruptly shut off. During the scene, she says he's he's afraid of this monster and proceeds to talk about the key. So I'm going to... The, the 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 sequence of this event is Elliot's in this fever dream coming off a of heroin and previously he met I think a younger version of his sister because she's a brunette but it could also be just a, a really dirty blonde version of Angela mm-hmm. who rides up to him on a bike and says you drop this and grabs the key and hands it to him. It's all taking place in his neighborhood, his yes. hometown. Yeah. And then he's having dinner with Angela in this fancy restaurant. He bites into his meal and he buys something hard and he pulls it out and it's the same key, the same key we see in this episode and he holds mm-hmm. it up and uh, Angela starts saying, yes, Elliot, yeah, like, she's like he's proposing marriage to him and she's uh, accepting and she takes him into the back room of the restaurant and says, I just said that for the the, the benefit of the people and then the following thing occurs. Um, Angela says it doesn't fit, referring to the key. And Elliot asks, why not? And Angela says, isn't it obvious? You're not Elliot. And then she says, you're the... And then the scene abruptly cuts to commercial. And it's been... These scenes have been these dissolving in a digital noise like throughout the entire heroin uh, withdrawal pro- uh, process. Yeah. Um, so anyway, Aman continues that my thinking is that this scene alludes to the third personality. Any thoughts on this, or maybe I'm going a bit too deep down the rabbit hole. I mean, no, this is, this is all tied up in the central mystery for sure. Mm-hmm. It's just, this is where I like, I get really tired. Like, man, I'm, I'm running really fast and hard to try <laughs> to keep sleepy, to, to try to keep ahead of the show. And, uh, uh I have a feeling we'll get a good answer to all this, and I feel ever more stronger strongly that this will make sense in context eventually. But I don't, because like, mm. I feel like we've already had seen like four different personalities. You know, uh, Mr. Robot, the mom, young Elliot, Elliot, and then if to the extent that maybe we've seen his dad already, because how would you tell the difference between Mr. Robot and his dad? Sure. Without you know some kind of like real like 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 something some some kind of tell that we don't know yet. Like, we already have five different personalities, so why are we obsessing over, like, just one of them? Because the show has asked us to. Yeah, it's true, and it yeah. made a big deal, like, it's it's a new one, but I, I'm wondering right. if that's true. It's more of, like, these are personalities that we, as Elliot's friend, which could indeed be a sixth persona, are familiar with. We've seen the young Elliot. We've seen the mom, the fantasy mom. We've seen the... Fa- so maybe it's just, like, they're new to Elliot and not us. Okay. Or Elliot Prime, in this case. Could be. Anyway, uh, Seb says, I'm really hoping that Dom pulls through. I know this feels a bit contrived, but considering how cruel the show can be sometimes, I'm glad Dom's family got away safe and that Janice got properly insulted before she got shot. I'm sure they'll be happy uh, in their new lives as McClouds, I assume is the name they're going to take on. 
McLeod's? Once they moved oh. to Ireland. Oh. Yeah, I know yeah. that's like a Scottish. Uh huh. I thought we yeah. were going Highlander in, in Ireland. I like it. Yeah, sure. An, an Irelander. That's not culturally insensitive, I'm sure. Yes. Uh, well, you Irelander. know. Yeah. You yeah. know what? They'll be fine. If Sean Connery can play an Egyptian Spaniard, I yeah, think you can yeah. you can posit the existence of an Irish uh, an uh, Irish uh, Highlander. An Irish Highlander, yes. sure, sure, no doubt. Uh, also, I'd hope you can agree with me that Elliot is shook. Might be doing the material a bit of a disservice in description. This is uh, the show oh, description. Yeah, that's uh, the point. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I I love it. Uh, Every time Alexa sees these descriptions, she's like, fuck this show. <laughs> I, lo- I, I love it, too. I think it's so funny. Yeah. It's exactly how, like, people on 4chan talk about, mm-hmm. you know, like, intense feelings or you get you got shook or yeah. you mad, bro. Uh, and it's like borderline leet speak kind of stuff, too. Yeah, exactly. Mr. Robot's speech at the end is something that so many children of abusive parents wish they were able to hear in this beautifully cathartic moment. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to Caitlin T. Listening to your coverage and talking about how distracting the act whenever the scene cards and dramatic cues were displayed, especially when it wasn't entirely clear what purpose it served, I wanted to offer my perspective that I did start to question those same things until Elliot tells Krista that uh, he, Vera, just wants a show. Let's give him a show. I obviously think things went uh, from going through the motions to getting real pretty quickly, but I remember thinking, okay, this whole situation is performative. We knew everything that Vera was doing was a manipulation to break Elliot. They make other references like Elliot asking, so is this dinner? Or Mr. Robot saying that Vera was the one that needed to convince him. I bought into the idea that so much of what everyone's doing was an act until act five. As to why they kept that up after reveal about the sexual assault, I don't know because that seemed like real emotion. And honestly, I was kind of buying into Vera's emotional connection he was trying to make to Elliot. I know it was for preconceived reasons, but I was buying his years and speech and even the ICU to an extent. But if it was all a show, maybe that explains why it stylistically continues that way up to his death. To clarify the last point, I thought the Krista killing Vera moment brought back Sirius uh, Miller. He was starting to make sense vibes, and I was mentally and emotionally really into it. She's referring to Miller from The Expanse. Uh, explaining why he shot a man in the head oh, because yeah, he was yeah. starting to make sense. Mm-hmm. Uh uh what what do you think uh about this i mean i i look at this the last episode as experimental in the same way that mm-hmm. like uh the no talking episode the no dialogue episode or the one shot episodes like all of those have been like they they're going for a feeling a theme a particular style with the episode and I don't know that you want to read so far into it. Yeah, it's kind of like in Mad Men where like the ghost of Burt Cooper shows up and does a soft shoe dance. Like is Don hallucinating? Is our ghost real in the show? And I think that if you think too much on it, you're missing the point, which is it was about instilling a particular type of feeling and emotion and the at emotional that point turmoil that, that he's going through. Not necessarily like, oh, is this a show? Is yeah. this like, you know, it's 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 about the feeling, but of the thing. But, but the to, to point to your experimental nature of it, I don't know that it had the effect that El, that Sam Esmail wanted to have on everyone watching it. Because you're right about that. It was distracting to me. It was it, something that you were wrestling with, Caitlin. And, you know, 
but well you look at the subreddit after this episode uh-huh. and they were all talking about a lot of people were denying that this was even a genuine breakthrough that this was all saying this was all made up because look at the structure of the episode right. it's all a show they tell Vera that like mm-hmm. all of this is performative none of this backstory is is real and next episode we're gonna get the big reveal that they were faking it the whole time mm-hmm. just to get one over on Vera like that is absolutely the wrong rabbit hole to go down with uh with this episode mm-hmm. but I do think that the style of the episode sort of invited that and some of the particular lines invited that. And, you know, Sam Esmail, I don't think intended that. And to be clear, I much rather showrunners take big risks and eventually and and yeah. and sometimes crater and fall or be distracting or lose a few than to play it safe all the fucking time. Yeah. And and when he doesn't play it safe, it almost across the board works for me. Uh-huh. Like, I think season two is the exception where you look at that and say almost nothing he did in season two worked for me stylistically, mm-hmm. but everything else he's done since has. So I, I don't know. When I look at that episode, I just say, here's a stylistic choice they made. It conveys a lot of emotion. Um, it does have the structure of a stage play and the intimacy of a stage play. And that's what he was going for. Not some kind of deeper insight into what the conversations actually mean. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I, I think I would have liked it a lot better without that. I mean, the the two things that distracted, and of course, I guess you could say this about any two things that you don't like about an episode. But like, you get rid of the the music, the over the top music and sound cues. Uh, you redesign the sound design of this episode, and you get rid of the act title cards. And I think a lot of the the show becomes much more engrossing to me because I then I would okay. really get into it. I'd still have a problem with like Vera, you know, doing his bullshit in the background, but that's. <laughs> Right. You know, that's at least what diegetic, you know, like that. Sure. <laughs> Breakthrough I, dog. Yeah. Yeah. The thunder and the, this, the ominous strings and the Stanley Kubrick horns and shit. I, I don't know if I needed that. Uh, let's move on to Camille. She has the opinion that Dom is definitely not dead. Okay. She feels like to leave it ambiguous as to whether she survived only to come back and say she didn't makes it an anticlimactic way to kill off such an important character. I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree. That would be. We're in a Tyrell situation here. Yes, but Except like a, perhaps perhaps a, a less worse vague. one, a worse one, because yeah. I think she's a more beloved character and the expectation is she's going to die. And then it's like, oh, no, she actually died off screen. She mm-hmm. was plucky, but only like 23 minutes plucky, not the 25 minutes of plucky she needed to be for the EMTs to get there and stabilize her. Yeah. I mean, they say that no, no characters die off screen in this show. I don't That's not true. I mean, Dom's uh, interrogating FBI agent died off screen. He got thrown and or whatever it off of that's the building true. they just say oh he's dead but he's not a mate like mm-hmm. i think lots of characters die get like get literally shot off screen and stuff like faceless people in you know chinese restaurants and pizza parlors mm-hmm. and stuff uh lots of people died in the bombings off screen <laughs> yeah uh a character has more than two speaking lines across two episodes let's put it that way how many of those have been killed off screen i don't know could tell you um, but there would have been also like, didn't we see like uh, a lot of half of F society got killed off screen and in between seasons? Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, let's move on. Oh no, actually we're still on Camille. Uh, I would be very surprised if the show ended up doing that. Uh, her analysis of the Dom situation. Next thing about last week's episode. I'm wondering if all the times Elliot said his dad was mad at him for telling his mom that he was sick was maybe about what he did to Elliot and not about him having cancer. There was some interesting analysis after we did the episode that I read people talk, like really digging into 
And there's this idea that I thought was interesting where like Elliot sometimes like copy and paste details from other people's lives when he doesn't want to explain stuff. Hmm. And people are wondering if his dad died from some unrelated release reason or perhaps he's the cause of it. And he copied and pasted his best friend's mother's death onto his father just so he wouldn't, you know, it's like, oh, it's cancer. No one's going to like, oh, God, you know, like how many how many follow up questions are you going to get if you dropped out on somebody? The only yeah. thing that makes the only thing I I don't know if that tracks is doesn't he do that with Angela herself? Huh? And wouldn't Angela like know if her dad his dad died of cancer or not? I can't remember if he does that. Yeah, it's like it's one of those things where it's like I I'm not gonna watch all four seasons of this <laughs> fucking show in between every episode just to right. find out what new detail like. I probably yeah. watched five hours more of Mr. Robot just going back and watching all the different scenes of his dad mm-hmm. and all the YouTube clips I could find. And it's just like, wow, that's a lot. Uh, finally, Camille. Yeah, can, it, I, can I just throw a shout out to the people on Reddit who do that? Yes. Because they do a lot of fucking heavy lifting. Yes. And, you know, we a lot of the stuff that we talk about on these episodes is stuff that we read on Reddit. Uh, and they, they won't always get shout outs. So, Yeah. I gotta say the Reddit community is like we're, I view this podcast as like our own our own takes and also mm-hmm. like a distillation of what Reddit has come up with in the yeah. past two days. Yeah, and feedback and forth. Yeah, I I totally agree. And um, you know, if I, I the, the thing is is like I think it would be I used to do that before I started doing this stuff professionally. It's like I would be the guy who would like run down a theory and type it up and put it in there. But it's like yeah. it was always like you always have like your pet thing, right? You wouldn't do that for every single fucking episode. No. And like that's the that's the trade off is we have to be generalist rather than specialist. And not as many people were doing it back then either. Yeah. Like you you got a lot less uh, commentary on the internet. Now it seems like there are people whose job it is. Mm-hmm. Or or view it as their job to yeah. just go Hundreds and of thousands research of them, this yeah. and verify or disprove theories and yeah i appreciate the work they do because i can't do it uh indeed uh camille finishes up with last week you talk about rammy's twin brother sammy fun fact carly chaken how did how does that I, you pronounce it i don't chaken? know how to pronounce her last name carly yeah has a sister named sammy spelled <laughs> s-a-m-i get the fuck out of here coincidence i think not this is all a <laughs> white rose simulation it's a con- Samacy, I I butchered that. Sorry. <laughs> uh, and Don's got the final email of the week. She says, "I love when you guys can throw in your Jehovah's Witness background and expertise on stuff like the Watchmen." So I thought I'd share my Mister Robot thoughts after that last episode with the key Elliot hid. I was an abused kid, physical and mental abuse, not sexual. And this episode hit me hard when he pulled out the key and explained it. I never blame myself, and I never disassociated into other personalities, but I do have memories of my evil stepmother calling a locksmith to take out the lock on the room that I would lock myself into when she would get violent. Hmm. She would work herself up to a place, uh, and I would see it coming, so I'd run into the den and lock myself in until my dad would get home because she would never do anything in front of him. She eventually cooked up some story about why she needed to have the lock on that door removed, so she got a locksmith to come and take it out one day. For me, this has always been a story about how messed up it was that she was planning so far in advance to physically attack me for things I hadn't even done yet, also known as no reason at all, that she would go to this length to do so. I ended up locking myself into the bathroom instead. She couldn't convince my dad the bathroom locks needed to be removed, so that's where I went to be safe until I literally grew up so she couldn't hurt me anymore. I love the part where Elliot realizes that he was looking after himself by hiding that key, just like I was 
by locking myself in. I'd always sort of remembered just living through that until I got old enough to move away. I liked that this show has made me remember that I was, in fact, fighting back, even though I couldn't actually physically fight back. Uh, thanks for sharing that story, Don. I'm sure it wasn't easy, and I can't imagine how... I mean, I can't imagine. I've, I've, I've seen things like, you know, you mentioned The Watchmen or Leftovers that I feel like really spoke to my past in powerful ways, and I'm sure yeah. you felt a lot of that too, so... Um, sorry that uh, you had to go through that. And that is where we'll end the podcast. If you'd like to send us feedback, robot at baldmove.com is how you do it. You can also be on our forums to discuss with your fellow fans the latest crazy seventh identity of Elliot Alderson. Only seven? Disappointing. Well, it's the, it's, I, I think Sam's going for like a biblically perfect number. Yes. Okay. You know, seven. So there's, maybe there'll be 77, 777. Every <laughs> 15 seconds, the, the next five episodes will reveal a new personality. <laughs> One of them's Alf. Yeah. Alf. <laughs> uh, just Michael J. Fox is going to make an appearance. Okay. Christopher yep. Lloyd. Uh, One of them is Jake Busey. Jake Busey's going to have three different personalities. Shit. I'd believe it. Uh, and that's the podcast. We'll be back next week to see what other twists and turns lie in ahead in this final season of Mr. Robot. Uh, happy holidays to everybody. Enjoy your Thanksgiving weekend. We'll be back next week for another episode of Mr. Robot. Until then, I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm Jim. Gobble, gobble. <laughs> <laughs>